Good morning. It's good to see you today. It's always good to be here, and it's always good to have some visitors with us today. Thank God for visitors. We have a lot of people that are out today because of the the uh, the run, the survival of fitness, and all the things that are going on down there. Went down there early this morning and had a little devotional, had communion together with all of those people down there around the, the playground area down at Elmwood Thomas Park, and had a good uh, little little time there with them. So know that they are uh, in the Lord as well, and, and we just pray over all of those. And some of you got back early. You just did the 5K, and I did the 0K, and I just came on back. <laughs> I did a special K. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but but nonetheless, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. you got to always picking on me, man. You'll miss me when I'm gone. Isn't there a song about that? In ancient Greece, uh, Socrates was uh, well known, of course, to hold knowledge and high esteem. An acquaintance one day came to him, the great philosopher, and simply said, Do you know what I just heard about your friend? Socrates says, Whoa, just a minute. I got something to do here first. He said, I'm going to run this through a filter test. It's a three-stage filter test. Um, He said, Well, okay, that'll be fine. He said, It's a uh, triple filter test. The first filter is that of truth. He said, Have you made absolutely sure what you're about to tell me about my friend, the truth? The man looked a little funny and said, no, no, not, no. All right then, Socrates says, so you don't really know if it's true or not. So let's try the second filter test, which is the filter of goodness. Is what you're about to tell me about my friend something good? Uh, no, really, no, it's on the contrary. Oh, said Socrates, you want to tell me something bad about my friend, but you're not certain that it's true. But you still have an opportunity to pass the test with the third filter. And that's the filter of usefulness. Is what you want to tell me about my friend going to be useful to me? The man simply said, no, not really. Socrates went on to say, well, if what you want to tell me is neither true nor good nor even useful, why tell it to me at all? That's good advice, isn't it? It really is. Now, each week, I, as a minister, and I'm sure most ministers would say the same thing, they're they're trying to tell you the truth, so we impart to you the Word of God. We give you Scripture, because it is all truth. And so, therefore, I try to give you the truth. I try to allow it to be something good for us, the goodness in it, of course, and what I try to deliver. And then certainly I want it to be uh, useful. I want it to be something that you can take with you when you leave this place. Because if it's just uh, just the Word by itself, if it's just the reading of the Word, you can stay home and read the Word. But hopefully what a person does when they try to impart and teach a class or preach a sermon is they want to bring in God's Word. They want to bring something into light that maybe you've forgotten about or haven't seen it that way before, and hopefully you'll be able to use that to further your walk with Christ. It's to it's to lift up, it's to encourage, if you will. Well, we've been trying to do that out of the book of Daniel, Daniel and his friends, we've called this series of messages. We discovered over the past uh, a few weeks together, we discovered that Daniel was a man of this great faith and how we are to walk in our faith. And, and it pays great dividends, even our times of struggle, and especially in our times of struggle, that our faith can actually shine in a powerful way, and Daniel's has up to this point. 
His integrity was impeccable. It was powerful. It was powerful for others to see and how it affected their life and how it continued to affect their life in the chapters to follow, as we'll even see today. His willingness, he had a willingness about him to even step in and interpret the king's dream when no one else could do it, not only to save his own life and his friend's life, but the lives of those that would not do the same for him any way, any form, any fashion, as we'll discover in next week's message. But yet today, we will discover the influence that he had on his three friends and how it affected not only the three friends, but how it actually affected a nation. And how it can for us if we live our lives in accordance with God, what God would have for us. So let's get started. We left off in chapter 3, if you will, in chapter 3. But I need to move back to chapter 2, as you can see on the screen there for us today, to kind of set the stage where we left off, or to catch those that aren't weren't with us, to catch you up a little bit. In chapter 2, the king had this dream. He was troubled, troubled by this dream, and he couldn't understand it. And we'll, we'll understand more of the dream actually next week. But he couldn't understand it. And so he sends out, and all his experts couldn't do anything for him. And so he sends out this decree, and he's going to have all of his wise men killed. That means Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all the other wise scholars and everyone, they're going to be wiped out. But Daniel steps in, or is able to interpret the dream, And after he does, the king rewards him. That's kind of where we left off. So in verse 45 and following, 46, the king Nebuchadnezzar, if we remember last week, he fell prostrate before Daniel and paid honor and ordered the officials to bring incense and presented it to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely the God of your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. He's a revealer of all mysteries. So he's given him great, great praise to Daniel's God. Then the king placed Daniel in high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him the ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the wise men. Hang on to that verse because we're going to come back to it in a few moments. But moreover, Daniel then requested. Notice how he is. He's got this heart to help other people. He requests that his three friends be brought in as well. And they were, and they were put in a particular uh, uh, place of, if you will, a ruling, if you will. Now... What I want to point out today, and what I said that I would do last week, is I'm going to talk about authority. This is important for our lives in every aspect of your life. Authority. Authority is important. I want to point out here today that Daniel stayed under authority at all times. Good piece of advice. King Neb, King Nebuchadnezzar, was not Daniel's king. Daniel's king was God and God alone. He served him. And he, he set that in order, and God did, in all of that. And, and, and through that, he stayed under God's authority. And by doing so, God rained great blessings into Daniel's life, even though he was a foreigner in the land. Please understand this. In James chapter 1, it talks about the blessings. But all good and perfect gifts come from God. You stay under God's authority, and God doesn't. it doesn't matter where you're at in your life, where you're at or who you're surrounded by, God can get blessings to you if you stay under His authority. Give me an amen. Now, stepping outside of authority. This is where we have a problem. We always look at other people stepping outside of authority, but we don't necessarily look at ourselves. I would encourage us to look at ourselves today. Stepping outside of authority can not only cost you a job, it can cost you relationship with God Himself. Let me explain. Authority. 
Authority is set in place by God. And when you try to rearrange God's authority, you better hang on because it's going to get pretty ugly. It always has. It always will. Everybody has an opinion of authority. One of the struggles that's in our world today, if you watch, no one, and I say no one, wants to be under authority. Don't want to be under authority of the teacher at school. Don't want to be under the authority of the, the, those that police us, if you will. Don't want to be under authority of the government in which we have set before us. No one wants to be under authority. Christians need to understand our authority. Our authority is always in God, in Him alone. That's where it lies. Listen, you may have special talents, training, skills, but that does not give you permission to move outside of what God has placed in authority, no matter what you think. Usurping authority is not only wrong, it is a sin, period. That's pretty hard, isn't it? But usurping authority is not only wrong, it is a sin when it comes to what God has placed in order. Humans. Humans have always struggled with this. And until you come to understand that the world and things in the world do not revolve around you, you will have a struggle with that. It doesn't revolve around you. Show me in Scripture where one person usurped the authority that God had placed in order, that got away with it undisciplined. You can't do it. The reason why you can't do it, it's not there. If you look at Scripture, you will see It cost Moses his entering in, his journey into the promised land. It cost Saul his throne. It cost David his son, or I should say sons. It cost Samson his life, and it has cost many people in this room marriages, careers, and much pain, and much sorrow, period. All because of someone decided to step outside of authority. If you are doing it, my advice would be this. Take God's advice. Stop it. Stop and ask for forgiveness. Because when you ask for forgiveness, what you're doing is you're asking God to come under His authority once again. When you step under God's authority, blessings flow. Remember that. So forgiveness is a beautiful thing. Stop usurping His authority. Step under His authority and watch what God can do in your life. It's amazing. Now over in chapter 3, where we left off. After old King Neb here, and I call him King Neb just for the fun of it, but anyway, King Nebuchadnezzar set up an image of gold. You remember that last year, or last week, last year too. But anyway, last week we talked about that. And he sets up this, uh, this image of gold. It's nine feet wide, 90 feet tall, and gotta blow a bunch of horns and trumpets and all the other things. And when they do, everybody is required to come in and bow down and worship this idol that he has put up. And in verse number 11, it goes on to say, And if whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over, and in, in, as this goes on through this, he begins to talk, and this is what happens. And so the, the officials come in, these, these astrologers come in, and they begin to denounce the Jews. And, and they're all saying, look, we're all doing it, except there's some that aren't doing it. And you've said... If they don't fall down, they're going to be thrown in this fiery furnace. But there are some Jews who have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. That's a telling sign right there, that sentence. 
There are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Notice three only. But the worship, the image of gold you have set up. They refuse to do that. Now, two things I want you to notice in this passage that we've just read. First of all, the decree. Remember last week we talked about a king. When he sets a decree, it's an order and it must be fulfilled. Unless the king withdraws it, which is rarely ever, ever done. But it means it's a done deal. But over in chapter 2, when no one could interpret the king's dream, if you remember, he ordered that all the wise men be killed, and Daniel stepped in, or I should say, God stepped in, and he overruled all of that. Well, you're going to see here once again, God's going to do the exact same thing. He's going to overrule what others want to put in line. He is going to overrule in those areas. Now, In this case, God is also going to step in and do it in a different way. As we will also find out next week, he does it in a different way. God can do, if you remember last week, I told you that God is in every line of Scripture and between every line of Scripture, and God does everything he does for basically two reasons. He does it, first of all, because it pleases him. He is God. He does what pleases him. Secondly, he does what he does to draw people to him. Watch how he does the exact same thing in this passage this week as well. Now, in this part of the story, he is going again to do the same. I find it interesting, however, interesting that all of the wise men, these astrologers and all these people that have come to the king now and said all these things, hey, these three guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I find it interesting that they had no problem with the decree being withdrawn when it saved their life. But they couldn't wait to enforce it when it came to others. Why is the question? Well, there could be many reasons, and I'm sure scholars have probably looked into it. But I think the answer is actually given in chapter 2. If you go back to chapter 2, we read it just a moment ago, but the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished all these gifts on him, and then he gives him even this great power. What happened there? These astrologers and all of these philosophers and all these people, these wise people, they did not want to be under the authority of others. They didn't like it. These foreigners have come in, and now they've taken the authority, our authority, or what should belong to me. And that's what happens in our lives as well. They want to run the show, and they were all about to be taught a lesson, a powerful lesson, a lesson that we need to never forget. Because if we forget the lesson here, we too will have to go through some of the things that they went through as well. Maybe not to the extreme, but God will always teach us a lesson when we step outside of his authority. Why? Because he wants to draw us back under the authority. Why? To bless us. That's his whole plan. Now, the second thing that I find interesting in this passage that we've read there today is that where is Daniel? Don't mention Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Where's Daniel in all of this? Why didn't they bring in Daniel with the other boys? Could it be? Could it be? I'm not sure. Maybe he was out of town, some say. I don't think so, because he's put in charge of the court, the royal court there in Scripture, it says. But could it be, and I would suggest that it was, if you remember, back when Daniel was the only one, maybe 
they didn't want Daniel around because back in that chapter, Daniel was the only one that they had ever seen before that could get a, a, a decree reversed, if you will. And they did not want Daniel around to do that again. They wanted their authority back. Daniel had trumped their authority over in the chapter before. So now they put Daniel off to the side. They brought in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now we're going to get some authority when we wipe these three guys out. You see how it works? Now what's happening through that process, they're saying to themselves, perhaps we'll deal with him later. Chapter 6, the lion's den. Aha, we'll settle his score later on. Much later on, actually. Now, back to the story. They went in and told the king, and they said, we have three guys. The Jews, three guys that will not bow down to your golden image. So the king says, he gets really mad, and he says, bring those guys into me. So they do. The king basically tells them this. Boys, here's the deal. Go ahead. Here's the deal. Either bow or burn. That's it. There is no choice. When you hear da-da-da, you either bow or you're going to burn. Now, watch what they say and what they do, because this is valuable for our lives as well. Hope that I can show that today. Verse number 15. It says, If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Notice this last sentence. It's very valuable. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? King Nebuchadnezzar at this very moment has just placed himself above the authority of God. So he thinks. He's about to be taught another message or a lesson. That is what a question, or this is the question that we need to ask ourselves often when we go through things in our lives that seems impossible. Because this is precisely what Satan is trying to do in our lives. He is trying to get us to believe that he has more authority than God does. He has more power than God does. He has more things for your life than God does. He has more blessings for your life than God does. And humans fall for it all the time. It's amazing, but it's true. So in this process, Satan does the same thing today. Don't be fooled, is what I'm saying there. He was even bold enough, now watch this, Satan was even bold enough to try this attempt on Jesus right after Jesus' baptism in Luke chapter 3. For in Luke chapter 4, he takes him out to the wilderness. He's gone on this 40-day journey of not eating, and now he's tempted these three times. But in verse number 12, it said these words, Jesus said, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to a test. What's it saying? To me, in other words, it says, Satan, you have no authority over me. Period. Now listen to me. As Christians, we need to learn to say, when temptations come our way, when we see that it's a temptation from Satan, we need to learn to say the same thing. You have no authority over me in the name of Jesus. By doing that, we can capture better thoughts of way we're going to deal with something in our life, and then we can deal it out in our life in a whole different manner. But if not, you'll stay outside of the authority of Jesus or God, 
And when you step outside the authority, Satan knows he's got you. And he will continually to turn up that heat. In this case, watch. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is verse 16 and following. Notice what it says. This is the reply, and this is important because there's much to be said about these verses. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They specifically answer the king. Whose hand are you going to save me from? Or from me? He said, our God. Now watch. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, they have just set an order, just in this passage alone, They have just set an order that for all Christians, if we would follow this order, our lives would be a lot less troubled in our walk with God. The first one. Number one. I'm going to give you five. I see at least five things. Back up to that one verse. I see five things in this particular verse. Number one is, go ahead with it now. They never disrespected the king. They never disrespected the king. For in fact, three times in that scripture, they either call him king or majesty. They never disrespected the king. When you disrespect those in authority that God has placed over you, no matter who they are, Christian or non-Christian, you are stepping outside of the authority that God has called you and what God has called you to do. This is going on in our world today. There are a lot of Christians that like to throw this verse out. There are a lot of Christians that bypass this verse. Let me tell you something about God's Word. You can pretend it's not there, but it's always there. And it's always true. And it always applies to you as well. We are to always be under the authority of those that God has placed there, whether you like them or not, or disagree or not. And notice that that these men did not disrespect the king in his authority. They didn't do it. Number two, God doesn't need your help to defend him. He doesn't. He's our defender. Praise God. Because if God is waiting on me to defend him, I'm going to come up short every time. Every time, God is saying, boy, I sure hope Harley does the right thing down there because, man, I'm going to be in trouble if he don't. Ever hear that? We do not defend God. We're the defender of our faith. The defender of the faith. Faith in who? Me? You? No, in God. Amen? He is our defender. God doesn't need you to defend Him. Number three, never be ashamed to brag about what your God has done and what he can do. Look at it in verse number 17 there. Can you see it? Number four. Your faith is in what you know, not what you see. Praise God. That's a good one. Somebody needs to write that down and preach on it. Your faith is in what you know, not what you see. Their faith was in an eternal destination. Even if you don't, God, it's okay. Even if our God doesn't, it's okay. 
their focus was, their faith was in an eternal destination, not a worldly pleasure. Do you think all the people that bowed down to that idol, all the other people did, do you think every one of them wanted to do that? I don't. I don't. I think a lot of them just bailed out because they just wanted to save their own necks. That's what people do today. Number five, you cannot serve two gods. God tells us, try it. Can't happen. And it's not only about money in this scripture in Matthew chapter 6. Understand that. But you can't serve two masters. you got to make a decision. Who is it that you're going to serve? Stay under the authority of God. Under the authority of God. And stay under the authority of God is given permission for you to be under. When it steps outside of God's authority, stay under God's authority. Blessings will come. For listen to me. What if the blessing had not come of saving Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We could have read the story and said, boy, that's a sad deal. That's a sad deal. What we do is we read the story and we say, wow, that's beautiful. What takes place, we're going to read about, that's, that's beautiful. But even if God didn't, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would win. And no matter what takes us out in this world, we need to understand, as Billy Graham said, I read the end of the book and we win. Amen? Amen. All right. Now you would think, back to the story, you would think, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, after being reminded about this great God, this real God, he would have remembered something. This is a short period of time in which Daniel had a conversation with him. You remember that? It seems to me that he would have remembered what Daniel said back in chapter 2. Your God is God. Your king is the king of kings. Oh, surely the goodness. You're the right one. But nope, he had a short-term memory loss. And went back to his old self. That's what you will do when you are not sold out for Jesus Christ in your life. You will always revert back to your old way of thinking and your old way of doing. And you'll get your old way of results. Because they always fall in the same order. Watch what happens in verse number 19. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered that the furnace heated up seven times hotter than usual. He commanded some of the strongest soldiers to come in and wrap them up and tie them up and bind them up and do all those things and throw them to that fiery furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied up, fell in to the fiery furnace. It's over. It has to be. It has to be over for them. If, if, if the guys are burned up that we're putting them in there, it has to be, it's done, it's over. Give me some wine. We're out of here. You see, God shows up. When God shows up, things happen. Remember, God allowed Daniel to interpret the dream? What happened? Raise your God. Now watch this time. Nope. Throw him into the furnace. Oh boy, God left me. Nope. Watch what happens. Go ahead. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. He asked his advisors, hey, wasn't there three guys we thrown in there? Yep, sure was. He said, 
Well, look, I see, looks like four down there, and one of them looks like an angel or the son of God's. My goodness, what's going on down there? I've never seen such a thing. It should just be ash. It should be, poof, a little smoke come out the, the uh, chimney and let's go home. Not the case. Now, keep in mind, people are watching this because this is a big event. They're curious of what's happening. Here's some guys that defiled the king. They're going to go up and toast. Let's get some popcorn, sell some sandwiches. Right? Watch what happens next. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted. We all know the story because we were told to us when we were kids. He shouted in and he says, Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar knew something, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Watch. He goes on to say, Come out, come out, come on out of here, boys. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came on out of the fire. Now look what all the other people do. Now these are the guys that should have been killed in the last chapter, but Daniel saved their hide, or God did. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors crowded around them. Why? They wanted to see what was going on, man. What is happening here? They saw that the fire, now watch this, this is a miracle that happened. This is not an allegory. This is not just a story. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a story that you tell your children and say, I'll go to bed now, sweetheart. This is the truth. This happened. Well, I don't know. I wasn't there. Well, I can tell you who knows. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know. And I'll tell you somebody else that knows. Nebuchadnezzar knows. And I'll tell you some other people that know. The satraps, the advisors, and all the crowd standing around because they saw it with their very own eyes. Notice what he says. They saw that their fire was not, that had not harmed them, that their bodies, nor was the hair on their heads singed. You know what that tells me? None of them were bald. All right. That's a freebie, Bob. All right, let's go. Just kidding. Therefore, watch what he says now. And I love this. Where am I at? Uh, yeah, there I am. I thought, I thought maybe my eyes were playing tricks on me, Jeff. Hang on there. Just a second. So they saw that there's none of this were harmed. Yeah, nothing was hurt, they weren't even scorched, and they didn't even smell like smoke. Ever go to a bonfire? Sure you have. You ever go to uh, Salas's or go up to Los Trace? Huh? They bring a fajita by, 7,000 degrees. When you walk out of there, what do you smell like? A fajita. Right? These guys didn't even have the smoke on them. Their clothes are fine, everything's fine. This is an amazing story that God allows us to see today, but it's supposed to teach us a story, not just tell us a story. Watch. Next. Is this the right one? Yeah. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. He knew what happened. They trusted in the, they trusted in him and defiled the king's command, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Get that? Little god, little g. Big god, big g. Always the case. Therefore, I decree. Boy, does God love decrees, didn't he? I love, I, I decree that the people of any nation, now watch what happens here, any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, be cut into pieces and their house will be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. And the church should say, Amen. Now, then the king promoted them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the province of Babylon. Now, I find this interesting. Why? Because of this. 
They were sentenced to death, and yet they get a promotion. That's amazing, isn't it? Watch what happens in this part. It backfired on the cats that wanted them to be toast. Only God. How did it backfire? It backfired. They wanted their authority back. Remember that? They wanted their authority back. They're gone. We can take their place once again. These guys now have to even, these Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego now even have more authority. See it? More authority over them. And catch this. They can't even say anything about their God, for if they do, they are fish bait. I'm thinking Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a big smile on their face. Hey, fellas. Hey. Think about that. I often think about people in Scripture that we read about, those that were healed by Jesus or those in Scripture such as this one, what they must have talked about at their family reunions. What they must have talked about on the way to the next town or in their adventure in life or when they're just set around. Man, wasn't that awesome? I didn't even get hot down there. I, I mean, I didn't even break a sweat. Dude, our God is God. It strengthened their faith in such a powerful way. I just can't imagine what they really talked about. But in all of that, let me say this. Did you know that Jesus offers the same thing for us today? For many of us in this room have escaped the fiery furnace, a place called hell. We were there. We were being thrown in. A place called hell. Satan wants all of us to be thrown in there. He wants to accuse us. He wants to put us down. He wants us to be thrown in there. He wants us to burn. God always offers a way of escape if we will surrender to the authority of Jesus the Christ, the Son that paid it all, the ultimate price, so that we wouldn't have to pay the price. So I end with the question. Are you staying under His authority? Or are you trying to do it on your own? Because you're one of two people You're one of two people. You're either the servants that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. Or you're the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that walked out of the fire. Which one are you standing under authority? Makes a big difference, doesn't it? God's an awesome God. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, let me tell you what's happening. Satan is trying everything in his power right now to get you to say, nope, reject it. It's not true. You can do it later. Nope, it's not true. Reject it. You can do it later. Or don't even do it at all. What he's trying to do is to convince you to bow down to a false god. You need to stand up. You need to rise above that. And you need to simply say, my God is God. I trust in His Son. I have faith in His Son. I've put my trust in Him and Him alone because my God is the God that saves. And my God is the God that will save me as well because He's promised anyone that would call on His name would be saved. Have you done that?
If you haven't, our encouragement's always the same. This part here, here, what we do at the end of our service will never change. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today you can. If you've never experienced baptism, today you can. And when you leave this place today, baptized, you will have a filling, not only the removal of your sin, but you'll have the filling of the Holy Spirit to walk with you and guide you all the rest of your life. And your name is then written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But we also do this at the end of the service. Perhaps you've found yourself doing a little bit of that bowing down to other things. Oh, it may not be 90 feet high, but it can be things that you know better than. You know, you haven't been all that you need to be. You haven't really, you know, uh, put that faith out there where it really needs to be. And God is saying, just step back under my authority and watch how I not only forgive you, but how I bless you as well. That's what we offer right now. An invitation. An invitation to any of that. Maybe today it's baptism. Maybe today it's just wanting to know more about Jesus. Maybe today it's about a prayer request of a hurt or a pain that you're going through. Or maybe it's a prayer request about some joy in your life. We'd love to hear that as well. What we do now is we sing a song just for you. And if you feel in your spirit moved in any way, we ask you to come. Together we stand and sing.